The last several weeks we've been talking about growing things. And <clears throat> I'm going to end the series today talking about hope for the harvest. When I was a kid growing up in the country, I asked my dad why people would go into farming. Our, our farms where we lived in Ontario were fairly small affairs. Our farm was 200 acres. That was pretty big by Southwest Ontario standards. And um, there were a few neighbors that still farmed, but most of them had part-time jobs. And I think they almost subsidized their farming addiction or their passion for farming by driving a school bus or working in a factory. And, and, I, and I saw this and I asked my dad, why do people do this? Why do they spend so much time working? And it's so, it's such hard work, so time consuming. You never want to charge by the hour if you're fire is so challenging. And my dad says, well, I guess they just don't want to work for anybody else. It's just their passion. It's their thing. They want to grow things. That's the, it's their passion. So I have a great respect for people in the agriculture business. And I know especially out in Western Canada, it's done very much on a larger scale. But still, ultimately, as technical and as sophisticated as agriculture gets in the world, it is still a step of faith because you really don't know what's going to happen because we don't have control over the climate and the weather and things like that. And when you plant those seeds, ultimately, there's hope there. Ultimately. A few weeks ago, I had some of my associates help me plant seeds in the uh, flower bed by the side door. We planted with hope. I was hopeful. I'm sure they were, too, they were just helping me. And there was ice cream involved, so everybody won that day. It was great. But lo and behold, things are popping up. Some of them look like radishes. I'm encouraged. Some of them look like peas, and there are other things popping up there. I'm very encouraged. And so that gives us hope for the harvest. Now, the passage that we're going to look at this morning from Galatians chapter 6, talks about sowing and reaping. But first I want to ask you, how many people have ever heard this expression, you reap what you sow? How many people have heard that? Okay. Now, a fairly common expression. Do you see that as a promise or a threat? How many people see that as a promise? How many people see that as a threat? Well, I have to admit that initially, I've always seen this, you reap what you sow. It all depends on how you say it. That's definitely the threat, right? You reap what you sow. What were you expecting? It's basically a polite way of saying, I told you so. And usually we say that after some self-inflicted calamity some bad choice that we've made that have impacted ourselves in a negative way, and we either say this to ourselves or usually it's someone else who's not suffering from that situation. They say, well, you really put so. What are you expecting? Uh. This morning, I would like to turn that a little bit on its head and try to see it as a promise because it's also a promise. 
Incidentally, this reap what you sow comes from a passage in Galatians chapter 6, and I'm going to read it in three different versions just so you get a flavor for it. We're going to immerse ourselves in our passage because it's just a few verses. This is, first one is from the King James Version, so it's old school, all right? But it's, there's beauty in the language. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now this is kind of where it gets a little bit lyrical. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we therefore have opportunity, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto those, them, who are of the household of faith. A little bit complicated. Let's try it from the message. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Now, I have to give you an alliteration alert. I don't usually do this. It just kind of happened this week. Probably the Spirit of God. But there are a lot of words that start with the same letter here. And it's a good thing you're seeing so far back, so I won't spray you. But here's the point. Here's what I want you to take away and remember, okay? Excuse me. God's promise provides perspective on our priorities, which produces perseverance for the long term. I didn't want to put any P's in that last phrase. I thought that would be over the top. But do you understand? This isn't just a cute little thing. I want you to remember this and absorb it, that God's promise provides perspective on our priorities, which produces perseverance for the long term. Let me explain. Here's the promise. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let's unpack this a little bit. Don't be deceived. Many of us live in self-deception. We willingly do not want to see the truth about our lives and our circumstances, so we numb out, we dissociate, we just don't want to see the truth. Why? Maybe the truth is unattractive. Or challenging, and it often is. Maybe we really don't want to absorb what's in our circumstances. Maybe there are things that happened to us when we were small that we had no control over, 
we learned how to just not be there, not feel the pain to put ourselves away. That can be a real challenge. It's a good coping mechanism at the time, but some of us take these coping mechanisms into adulthood and it doesn't work. It doesn't work so well. So we struggle with these things. Others of us, maybe we don't have this background of challenging relationship, of challenging background, but we just still don't perceive reality correctly and we deceive ourselves. Or we're deceived by society and its values that are counter to God, against God's values. Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. And you're thinking, what do you mean? Who would mock God openly? Who would be that foolish, or to put it bluntly, that stupid, to mock God? Say, what do you know, God? Well, some people do mock God openly. They do that at at their own peril. But many of us mock God by the way we live. Because if we live out of alignment with what God is calling us to do, and we wonder, why aren't things, why do things seem off? Now, I'm not talking about circumstances, because sometimes when we follow Jesus, our circumstances get more challenging, right? Wow. Didn't mean to disillusion you, but I got to be honest. Sometimes just by choosing to do the right thing, we run into opposition and thinking, why am I being punished for doing good? Well, if you're going to identify with part of God's family, it's kind of a natural consequence. In the long run, we win. And we'll get to the perseverance part. But right now we're thinking about the promise. We reap what we sow. So that can be a warning or a promise, or both, as someone said. It's a law of the universe, basically. We planted radishes in the flower bed. What are we going to get? Cucumbers? Watermelon? Papaya? No, we're going to get radishes. We'll all have bad breath for a few hours, but they will grow, Lord willing, okay? We reap what we sow. But listen, let me expand how that works in, in a spiritual sense. Whoever sows to please their flesh, their themselves, from themselves will reap destruction. You fall in love with yourself, that's who you end up with, yourself. That's just a law of the universe. You make life all about yourself, that's all you have at the end of your life yourself. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, that's God, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. That's why Jesus says, you know what? If you try to save your life, if you try to hang on to it instead of following me, turning everything over to me, you're going to lose it in the end. But if you're willing to lose your life and follow me and turn over everything in your life to me so I will be the boss. There's absolute allegiance to me. I will pour out my blessings on you and you will have eternal life, which, by the way, could start today for you. Not when we die. I was talking to a funeral guy last week. A friend of mine has gone into the funeral business. He sees a lot of dead people. 
That's not when eternal life starts. Eternal life starts when we start following Jesus. And it just goes on. It's kind of a, there's a change in phase and stuff like that, but it's still eternal life. So we can have this if we sow to please the Spirit. If we get up in the morning and say, Okay, Jesus, how shall I live today? How are you going to influence my choices? Will you please help me to think and live the way Jesus wants me to live? And by the way, I can't do this on my, on my own. Please help me. Please fill me with the Spirit of Jesus so that I can please you and not please myself. That's how we do it. That's how we sow to the Spirit. And there's a promise. If you do this, you'll be blessed. You'll reap eternal life. And it's life. It's not existence. Many people exist in life. They got a pulse and they're breathing, but they're not really living. But life with Jesus is life. Life. Even when we go through tough times, it's life. That's the promise. Then that promise gives us some perspective on life. So often we can be overwhelmed by our circumstances because we lose perspective. Our standard joke on parenting that we tell people is we... Can I use the word commiserate? Or we talk about the challenges of parenting. Oh, the first 40 years are the hardest. I'm beginning to have my doubts. I think the next 40 years are probably going to be hard too. So that's a challenge. And you think, I've got toddlers. I've got, no, what do you mean the first 40 years? But it's a matter of perspective. And so often when we lose perspective, we can lose hope. And we just kind of run out of gas and say, it's not worth it. Right? It's not worth it following Jesus. It's not worth it trying to do the right thing. So when we lose perspective, our, our motivation for following Jesus really starts to shrink. And this is this what gives us perspective. Perspective. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So when you're growing stuff, you got to go out there and weed every day. I, I thought my dad was crazy when I was growing up. He'd be out there at the crack of dawn working in the garden. But he was smart. Because we would sleep in and have to be forced to go out there in the heat of the day when it was really hot. He was smart. Okay? But he would persevere. He would tend and cultivate and keep working in that garden. God is telling us, don't become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, in due time, there will be a harvest if we don't give up. This is especially important for us as we follow Jesus and for many of us who work in what I call the people business. Okay? Because it can be very challenging working with people. And you've got to remember, I'm a people. You know, I'm a person too. And I'm, I'm, I'm part of the issue. It's not those people are there. It's, it's just challenging to remember that though. And I confess sometimes, when I cut my grass, and I cut the back lawn, it looks really great. And fortunately, it's a small, remarkably small lawn. And I used to have one that took me two hours to cut, and now it takes less than 20 minutes, which is great. And I can sit there and go, ah, oh, 
Nice job, Rick. Good. Ah. And it's a job that's kind of neat and tidy. But when we work with people, and I work on myself, it's not very tidy, and it's not complete. And there's always stuff that needs to keep growing, and there's weeds keep popping up in my life, and things like that. And it's not very satisfying, per se. It's a work in progress. We're all work in progress. But... Works in progress, but we need to remember not to give up because we will reap a harvest if we don't quit. Okay? So we need perspective. There's promise and perspective, and that's where the perseverance comes from. If we believe, if we choose to believe the promise, like Peter getting out of the boat in that story we read this morning, and and the perspective. We think, okay, Jesus is there. I can do this. Then we've got to persevere. I think the problem with Peter getting out of the boat, all of a sudden he went, ah! He got overwhelmed, right? And then that's why Jesus said, oh, Pete, you have so little faith. Come on. You, got, you started well. And many of us start out well. Many of us are good at starting things, but seeing it through to completion. And what helps us see it through to completion just perseverance, just getting it out, gutting it out sometimes. Now, this is not religion by pulling yourself up by the bootstraps or works or earning our way to heaven. I think our perseverance comes out of believing that promise and having that perspective that in due time we will reap a harvest. And this is where I love the poetic words of the King James, if we faint not, okay? Hang in there, if we faint not. You know, if we don't give up or quit, says the message, right? So therefore, okay, we got a promise of we have perspective that there's going to be a harvest. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Therefore, we stick to it. We hang in there. Many of us, want to please our flesh instead. We go to substance abuse, or we open the fridge, we find our comfort in the fridge, or Netflix, or pornography, or shopping, or all the distractions we use to numb pain. Okay, that's sowing to please the flesh. God doesn't want us to live that way. Some of us just spend our time judging others and play the I'm better than you game. And that, that's a dead end as well, right? Some of us are just addicted to pride. If we sow to that, all we get is weeds. But if we sow to the Spirit, if we walk with Him and say, Lord, help me to keep short accounts with people. Help me to keep short accounts with you. And we sow that. Then we know there will be a harvest of good stuff in our life. And we'll start seeing good things pop up. I can't tell you how I felt after only one week radishes popped up. It was amazing. And I hope you see some shoots of goodness of God doing something, producing something in your life. That gives you hope because eventually there's going to be a good harvest, right? So the promise and the perspective give us perseverance. 
Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So can we say to ourselves, you know, I can hang in there because I can trust God with the results. The harvest is promised. And as opportunity comes up, as we have opportunity, we can say, Lord, is this an opportunity you want me to take advantage of? Is this you calling? Opportunity, when we pray for opportunities to do good to all people, and they pop up just saying, Lord, what, what do you want me to do in this situation? We likely will not be able to help everyone we see, but we can use wisdom and discernment as we learn to listen to the Spirit. Lord, is this, is this you talking? Can I help in some way? It's not about rescuing or fixing people or trying to make ourselves feel better by being a helper, but genuinely helping in the power of the Spirit and His wisdom. My mom told me a neat story. She started out her teaching career 65 years ago, back in the day when there were one-room schools. So you can imagine the delight and challenge of teaching children from grades 1 to grade 8, a mix of kids, maybe between 20 and 30 kids. When she started out, there were kids taller than she was (laughs) in her class that she was supposed to be teaching. She told me recently she'd had a phone call from a man in the area who tracked her down, and 65 years ago, he was a student in her school. And he gathered his two sisters and had tea with my mom a couple of weeks ago. She was delighted. And they're going to do it again sometime in the near future. And I thought, wow, talk about sowing and reaping. When you're teaching in a one-room school, you have those kids all the time, all day, for the whole school year. So you really get to know them, and they get to know you, whether you want to or not. Most of the time, almost all the time, kids graduate and they move on and there's no contact. And maybe in some cases that's just as well, but generally we just kind of lose touch. But I thought it was beautiful that the seeds that my mom sowed into the lives of these people, who are now 65 years older than they were in elementary school, wanted to come back and touch base with her and talk about those times. That's just an example, maybe an extreme example. Maybe some of us aren't 65 yet. (laughs) But when you sow into someone's life, when you sow good seeds into into your own life, we can expect a good harvest. That's the hope we have. That's the promise that we have. God's promise provides perspective on our priorities, which produces perseverance for the long term. Can I encourage you, friends, if you're discouraged and feel like giving up on people, don't. If you you feel discouraged and just feel like giving up on following Jesus, sow to the Spirit. Sow to make the Holy Spirit, to please the Holy Spirit, okay? And not yourself. If we sow to please ourselves, all we get is weeds. We don't need any more weeds in Canada. Okay? Do you need any more weeds in your life? I don't. I don't. 
I'm asking God to help me get rid of mine because I want to so to please the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this promise. Thank you that we reap what we sow. I mean, that's life. But help us to embrace Holy Spirit as we follow you. And I just commit Elam Chapel to you, Father. I commit us all that as we sow good seed here in this part of Winnipeg and in this part of the world, that you will bless it and cause it to thrive, blossom good fruit. Lord, for those of us who are sowing to please ourselves, I pray that you give us a heart of repentance, a soft heart, and the desire to persevere and follow Jesus no matter what the cost. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.